0: Welcome to the November 29th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 12 and the sermon is entitled This Day, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. Today we move into the Christmas season, uh, the season that we think about the coming of a Savior. Uh, and, And as we come today, as we prepare for Christmas, with buying the presents that are going to come, and the trees, and the lights, uh, and all the hurry that we go through, uh, and, and we think about getting ready, getting ready for Christmas, getting it all together, getting the food that we need in the freezer for Christmas, all the things that we do, we also need to remember above and beyond that, that this is a holy season. And this is a season that we prepare our hearts for the coming of a Savior. That's why we have lit the advent wreath today as we think about the coming of a savior for us we are in a season now of preparing our minds and our hearts to receive the savior who has come for us and that season is called advent now in the weeks prior to christmas we step aside from all the busyness of the holiday so that we can step into the right mindset that this is a holy season This is a holy season that God sent His very Son to us that we might have life everlasting. When the Son of God stepped out of His position in glory, He laid aside His robes of authority. He laid aside His shining brilliance and He came to be with us. He came to walk the soil of this earth. He came to get His feet dirty to bring the message of salvation to those who were dying. He came to get his hands dirty to reach out to those who were suffering and dying and those who had so many needs. He reached to them. He touched them. He took care of them. He does the same today even though we know he's not physically with us. His hands still reach to us in healing and in blessing and in giving us eternal life. But Jesus laid down his comforts to preach to the multitudes. And he preached until he was exhausted. He preached beyond even the human capacity to do so. But Jesus preached to exhaustion so others would hear the gospel of the kingdom of God. We know that he carried his own cross until he faltered under its weight, which shows us he also is the Son of Man. He had the physical limitations as the Son of Man. And yet he was mounted to that very cross that he might shed his blood, his perfect blood through his perfect earthly life, that we might have life eternal and forgiveness everlasting so we prepare our hearts saying jesus not only did you come to us but you left heaven to come for us you left the 99 righteous in heaven to find the one lost sheep here i was that sheep you if you're a believer you were that sheep that he left heaven to come to find Today, if you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, he left heaven to come to find you. He wants you to be his son or daughter. He wants you to accept him as Lord and Savior and to have everlasting life as well. He came to us. He came for us. Jesus came to a manger because from Adam and Eve forward, all of us have been lost in sin. All of us lost with no way home until the Savior comes. I bring back a memory. Uh, It comes back to me every year at this time. Uh, Some of you have heard it before. If so, please just kind of bear with me here. But it it involves Carrie Joy, our daughter, when she was three years old. And Gwen and I took her to to a, a Christmas tree farm to cut down a tree and tie it to the vehicle and take it home that year. And as we were in this Christmas tree farm, going amongst the Christmas trees, looking for the perfect one to fit our home and our family... Carrie would disappear in the midst of the trees. She would get out of sight, and as she got out of sight and in the trees, she would say, help me, I'm lost in the forest. Knowing that Mama and Daddy was right around the corner. But it amazed me then, I thought it was funny then, but over the years I thought about it. That even as a three-year-old, she had the concept of being lost and being found. I believe that's a concept that comes in our lives very early on. I believe that God has put in every human heart the concept of being lost and being found. Because every single soul comes into this world lost. And there's a longing in our soul and in our hearts that we, are, that we need to be found And so many people in the world need to be found, and they think they're going to be found in happiness by all the things they can buy, by all the material possessions they can gain around themselves, all the good things that they want to, from earth, gather around themselves. But that doesn't fill that space of being found. There's only one way to be found, and that is through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen? One way to being found, and that is through the Savior. But I believe that every human being has that concept of being lost, needing to be found because there's something just missing in life. There's a hollow spot, there's a hole in the heart that needs to be filled. Every person has that need. Well, as you read the Old Testament, and as we think about the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus Christ, we see Jesus' appearance uh, as a prophecy throughout the Old Testament. We'll read a few of them today. But as you read the Old Testament, you can really summarize this section of your Bible, the Old Testament books, by one question. And the question is not, will there be a Savior? Throughout the Old Testament, there is the prophecy, there will be a Messiah, there will be a Savior coming to us, but here's the question that is not answered. When will He come? When will the Messiah arrive to save us? And that question is never answered in your Old Testament. The fact that a Messiah is coming is indisputable in the Old Testament. In fact, if you want to turn with me to some of these passages today, go with me to the beginning of your Bible, to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This is the first prophecy of a Savior in your Bible. It comes right after the fall into sin from Adam and Eve. And, of course, you know that as Adam and Eve fall into sin, that God Almighty meets out a punishment upon them because of their fall, because of their disobedience, their wickedness, their rebellion against him. For the man, he tells Adam, you're going to now produce from the ground by the sweat of your brow. Not everything is going to be given to you freely. You're going to have to work to produce for your family. To the woman, he says, part of your punishment is there will be pain in childbirth now. You will bring children into the world, but it will be through pain. But then also remember that he gives punishment to the serpent, to old Satan himself who led Adam and Eve into sin through temptation. I want you to notice what these words say in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This is God's punishment upon the serpent, upon Satan himself. And here's what God says. He curses the serpent and he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. I want you to notice that God says, There will be constant conflict between you and the son I am going to send. You will notice that he says, God says this is the woman's seed. Well, of course, all of us know by biology that the seed is associated with the male in conception. And yet the, the woman's seed referenced here tells us of a virgin birth. A birth that comes through the woman. The Holy Spirit will overshadow her, but a human male will not be involved in this birth. So it's called the woman's seed, virgin birth. But also notice that the Lord says to Satan, you will bruise this son's heel, pointing forward to the cross, but he is going to turn and bruise your head. He's going to crush your head, Satan, referring to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Lord and the Savior. So in the third chapter of Genesis, we see the coming of a Messiah, and we see what happens to Satan himself. He will be Uh, undertaken by the Savior, and the Savior, Jesus, will be the victor crushing his head. So in the third chapter of Genesis, we see the Old Testament promise of a coming Savior. He will come. That is already assured as we read the Bible. But here's the question that the Bible in the Old Testament doesn't answer. When will he come? Well, I'm sure you're uh, very familiar with the prophet Isaiah. He's the one who gave us God's inspired word. We love this word. If you want to turn with me or write it down, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And you know these words well from the prophecy of Isaiah when he writes under God's inspiration, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the prince of peace, going on to verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. So there's the assurance. A child is going to be born. A son is going to be given. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. It's written here as a prophecy of God in Isaiah chapter 9. But skip over with me to Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1. Same prophet Inspired by the same God, writing down the Word of God. And in Isaiah 64 1, Isaiah writes this Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens, that thou wouldst come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. And this verse, the same prophet Isaiah, who wrote Isaiah chapter 9, is saying here in chapter 64 Lord, when will you break through the clouds? when will you come from heaven and be with us in our state? We need you now. When will you come to us? When will you make your appearance among us? So while he assures in God's word a Savior is coming, he also says, but when will he come? When will he break through the clouds? When will he make his appearance? And then in the very last book of your Old Testament, if you want to flip over to the book of Malachi, the last book, of the Old Testament, Malachi, the last page actually of your Old Testament, Malachi chapter four, verse two. The last book of the Old Testament, the last prophet of the Old Testament, gives us these words as the Old Testament closes: Malachi four two. <clears throat> but unto you that fear my name, shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings and you shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall but i want you to notice that malachi says he shall come he will come the son of righteousness will come with healing in his wings he wants to minister to the world he is coming but that's on the last page of the old testament it doesn't say when he's coming it simply says yes he shall come but there's where the curtain falls on the Old Testament. The when of Jesus' coming is never answered. But as we see the curtain fall on the Old Testament, I think you know that before the opening of the New Testament, before the manger, 400 years pass. As the Old Testament closes, four centuries pass before the event of the manger, before the Savior comes to us. So today, as we begin preparing our hearts in this season of Advent we celebrate a huge truth that multitudes of people, generations of people, thousands of people could not celebrate. Those who lived in the Old Testament age can't celebrate what we celebrate today because they lived before the manger and before the cross and before the empty tomb. Praise God we're on the other side. We know He came. We know he died on the cross to forgive our sins. We know that he rose from the grave, that you and I as believers might have eternal life. So today as we think about the Bible and the story of the Bible as it's laid out before us, we live beyond the era of the Old Testament. And not only do we know that God came to us, but personally I know he came for me. He came for you. If you don't know Him as Savior today, He has come for you that you might know Him as son or daughter. And it all began with a baby in a barn. God answered the when question when an angel spoke to a pack of shepherds out in the field. They were out keeping their flocks by night. An angel of God appeared to them. Of course, you know, after this angel spoke, then a multitude of angels come forth praising God saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. But the angel of God announces to the shepherds some good news. Here's the primary scripture for today. If you have your Bible, turn with me there. Luke chapter 2. The old familiar Christmas story from the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. Listen to these words as the gospel writer Luke pens them under the inspiration of God. Luke chapter 2, go to verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Well, as we see the revelation of these words, a pack of shepherds out in the field, somewhere in the vicinity of a crude barn that had a manger, a feeding trough in that barn, And that baby was going to be wrapped and laid in that manger in swaddling clothes. But I want you to see that a question was laid down from Adam and Eve forward. And the question is this, when will a Savior come to us? And the answer comes in Luke chapter 2, verse 11. If you have your Bible in front of you and you put a little mark in your Bible or underline, underline the two words, this is. Day For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There is the answer to the question of the ages. When is a Savior coming? He came this day in the manger of Bethlehem. The answer to the question that stood for centuries. Church, praise God. We're on this side of Adam and Eve. We're on this side of Isaiah. We're on this side of Malachi, who waited and waited for a Savior But we're not waiting any longer. We know the Savior has come. And I want you to hear, church, we have the message the world needs. We do not have a message that fits into the world in the midst of all the other information that the world gets. We have an additional message to give to the world. That's not so. What the Bible teaches us is we don't have a message. We have the message of the ages. The Savior has come. This day He has come. And He is willing and wanting to save every single person. There's something in your heart that says, I'm lost and I need to be found. And here is the message you need. Jesus Christ loves you, went to the cross for you, rose from the grave for you, that you might have life everlasting. He has come to find you. The message of the Bible, and it has come this day to us. Jesus alone is the hope of every nation Jesus alone has a desire to locate every single lost sheep to restore that one to salvation and to eternal life and the forgiveness of sin. Now, from this pulpit, we know that the Savior has come. We know that the world has changed in so many ways because of that Savior. But I would love to tell you from this pulpit today that every problem on earth has been solved. I'd love to tell you from the pulpit today that every conflict of the world has been laid to rest. I'd love to tell you from the pulpit today, because Jesus came, that every government is godly. I'd love to tell you from the pulpit today, because Jesus has come, that every sea is calm and that every soul is at rest. But here's the real state of the union today. The world still has its troubles, amen? The world still has its tragedies. Millions of people are still lost. And millions of people are still asking, when will I feel better? When will my soul be at rest? When will I finally feel that I have some peace in my life and that I'm finally satisfied? And the answer to all of those questions will always be when you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. There's no other answer to the question. It is with Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, born this day a Savior unto us. How wonderful that message is. He is still the way and the truth and the life. He is still the centerpiece of our message. He is still the reason we're on mission He is still the reason for every ministry of the church, every outreach of the church, is to deliver the message to the world that needs it, to a world that is lost and searching, wanting to be found. He is the message, and we have it, and we need to share it with the world. That is our call as a representative and a witness of the living Lord Jesus Christ. As Malachi said, he still has healing in his wings for every single person. Even in the darkest of days in this world, he's still the shining hope. And we've lived through some dark days here this year, days of challenge, days that we've never been through before, days that we've had to readjust life in so many ways. They've been dark days, but there have been darker. In 1861 through 1865, The United States of America went through some of its darkest days because those were the years of the Civil War, an internal war, a war where brother took the life of brother. An American fought against American, one side to the north and one side to the south, and they warred with one another, and thousands died died at the hands of fellow Americans. What a dark day for our country. An American poet lived during that time. His name was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And he had his own tragedies in life. 1861, the very first year of the Civil War, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow had a wife he adored. Her name was Frances. He called her Fanny. But very, very tragically, she was at home one evening doing something with a candle, and her dress caught fire. And as much as he tried to put it out and save his wife, the burns were too extensive, and he was with her when she died. And it sent him into a deep depression to lose his wife, this precious centerpiece of his life. And then in 1863... Longfellow went through another trial. He had a son named Charles, and he begged his son Charles, please do not sign up to fight in the Civil War. And yet against his father's wishes, Charles signed up for the Northern Army, fought in the war, and in that same year, 1863, he came home with wounds so he would have to be taken care of for the rest of his life. And his father largely took care of him and ministered to him. So Longfellow had challenges, the loss of his wife, the the, the son that was wounded so deeply in the war, coming home to be taken care of. So a lot of weight was on his shoulders, and depression weighed him down. And in 1863, the year his son came home, he was out walking on Christmas Day, and he wrote a poem. And the first verse of the poem was this, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. They're old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat, a peace on earth, goodwill to men. And yet, there are more than three verses to the hymn, by the way. One refers directly to the Civil War in which he was living in those days, along with the loss of his wife and his son being home. But his depression and reflecting over his losses and his challenges of life brought him to another verse. Here's the next verse that he wrote. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. But despite his losses and his depressions, Longfellow's faith shines forth, and he writes a third verse. And the third verse says, Then peal the bells more loud and sweet. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Praise God, we know that Jesus Christ is going to prevail. Amen. Tells us that in Genesis chapter 3, he will prevail. Sin will be dealt with. He will be the victor. That is the promise. No matter the tragedies that come our way, the hardships, the challenges, whatever they might be, Jesus Christ is going to be the victor. In the end of this worship service, you and I are going to walk back out into this world. We're going to walk back into our workplaces and our school classes. And to our regular days and ways of life. And we're going to cross paths with many people beginning this week ahead of us. We walk back into a world that has so many lost and hurting and despairing people in the world. A world that's really caught on verse 2 of Longfellow's poem. By the way, that poem was set to music nine years later in 1872. We sing it every now and then in church. But the world is caught on verse 2. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. Hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. So many people get up in the morning and go to bed at night with that kind of despair resting on their shoulders. And you know what they need? The message of the Savior. Because he will be the victor over all things. This year alone has brought us so many challenges of sickness and shutdowns and job losses and changes, all of those things. All of them have taken place in this congregation. But Jesus Christ came as our Savior, and He is still our hope. He's still the reason we can get up in the morning with promise and hope, because He's still the Lord. He is not dead, nor doth He sleep. Amen? He is not dead. He is a living Savior, and He is with us, He's with you this very moment. He is still the healer, He is still the comforter, He is still the, the solid rock of life, He is still the, the island in a sea of tumult, He's still there, He's still with us, and we as a church have that message that we need to give to the world, that a Savior came to find the lost and to give us hope and to be the ray of light even when the days get challenging. As Luke chapter 2 verse 11 says, this day he is our Savior. Today, if you do not know him as Lord, if you don't know him as Savior, if you're streaming with us today, no matter where you are, if you don't know him as your Savior, this day you can be saved. This day you can be the son or the daughter of God simply by an act of faith saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you came for me. I believe that you left the glory of heaven and you got your feet and your hands dirty because you were searching for me. And Lord, I believe that you're the Savior. I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe you want to take up residence in my heart. Yes, I receive you. Yes, in an act of faith, I give you my life and I ask you to be my Savior. This day, your eternity will change. This day, Jesus will be your Lord and you can follow Him Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, you don't have to turn there, but it's a quote of good old Isaiah chapter 9. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. That light can shine on you today if you need him as your Lord, your Savior. Church, we know that he is the light. We know that he is the Lord. And we know that we're called as witnesses to go into the world with not a message but the message that the world needs to hear, the message of Jesus Christ. Church home, whatever you need, the Lord meets us in this place. I pray that he moves on our hearts, believers, that we will take that message, not just at Christmas, but throughout the year. And if you need him, that you'll come to him today. Let's pray. Our Father, our God, thank you for these precious moments, Lord. Thank you for this day of celebration when we have seen these young men baptized into the faith, Lord. Thank you for the celebration of of seeing that and being reminded of our own commitment to you and before you, Lord. I pray that you will bless us to be reminded once again that we don't have a message to share with the world. We don't have a message to mix in with all the other information of the world. We have the message the world needs to hear. We have the message that the lost might be found. We have the message that the sinner might be saved. That that one bound for hell can be bound for heaven. And it's the message of Jesus Christ, the Lord who laid down his robes of glory and came to us, went to a cross, walked from a grave that we might have life. It is the message that every person on earth needs to hear. Help us, Lord, be those witnesses. Bless that one who needs you. Church home, whatever. Father, bless us now in this moment of decision in Jesus' name. Amen.